This podcast contains strong language, adult themes, and distressing topics of discussion. It is not suitable for younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. Before we get into today's episode, I'd just like to take a minute and acknowledge the strict lack of episodes that have not been uploaded between March and the date of this episode's release. As mentioned in the episode prior to this one, I've been having a lot of mental health and personal issues taking up a good chunk of my time these past couple of months. I apologize for not being incredibly active on my social feeds other than tweeting a few times and retweeting other people's posts. I don't want to jinx myself and say that I'm going to try and be more consistent, as I've said countless times before, so I'm going to continue onwards and get right into today's episode. I hope you all, my listeners, can forgive my absence and understand the importance of mental health for yourself and your loved ones. Take care of it. It's important. Now, boils and ghouls, let the show begin. Welcome, boils and ghouls. Let us rise from our graves once more to honor the weird, the creepy, and the macabre. On today's episode, I discuss the most recent additions to Universal's Horror Nights Maze lineup, as well as its additions to the Hollywood Backlot Tour that'll have horror fans screaming with excitement. On top of that, I give you my thoughts on Blumhouse's newest flick, The Black Phone, starring Ethan Hawke, and much more. I'm your host, Dominic Abraham, and you're listening to Spoopy, a horror podcast. As many of us know, Universal's Halloween Horror Nights 31 is right around the corner. And if you didn't, well, now you do. You're welcome. (laughs) Anyways... During this period of announcements, us fans of the event like to speculate what kinds of mazes Universal will include in their lineup. From original ideas to intellectual properties to musicians crafting their own terrifying creations. The event is widely regarded as one of the best you can attend during the haunt season, and so far, Universal rarely disappoints when it comes to this. So far, they've only announced three official mazes for for both their Orlando and Hollywood parks, of which include Universal Monsters, Legends Collide, Halloween, the 1978 original, and a Blumhouse mashup house, including both Freaky and The Black Phone. This will be the third year in a row that Universal has made a house based upon a revamped version of their classic movie monsters. Get it? Revamped? No? Eh, it was a stretch. This time, the Wolfman, Dracula, and the Mummy will be going head-to-head in a battle to the death. Patrons to the event will be transported back to the 19th century, where the trio of beasts will all be after the Amulet of Ra, a fictional artifact of immense power. The Wolfman plans to use it to rid himself of this awful curse he has, while Dracula and the Mummy want to harness the power and bring mankind to its knees. With a full moon on the rise, guests will be caught in the midst of a battle of the century. How it ends, we have yet to see. 
Like the last two houses in this series, the music will be composed by Grammy Award-winning rock musician Slash. For those who don't know... Yeah, me neither. I didn't really know before I heard about these houses. <laughs> As for good old Michael Myers, this will be the first time since 2014 that Halloween Horror Nights has seen the original movie be used as a maze. He's appeared countless other times, such as back in 2018 and 2021, in the house for Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Us Halloween fans are still waiting on them to do a Halloween 3, Season of the Witch House, and we almost had it last year. Why it was switched out at the last second is currently unknown, because there were those leaked photos of the shamrock spray-painted on the brick wall for the facade of the building. But I'm sure we'll have Silver Shamrock's base of operations make its first HHN appearance momentarily. Finally, we have The Horrors of Blumhouse, featuring Freaky and The Black Phone. Unfortunately, I have yet to see Freaky, but after seeing The Black Phone with a close friend of mine on a whim, I can safely say this might be one of the scariest houses Halloween Horror Nights has ever had. I'll talk more in a bit about my thoughts on Scott Derrickson's latest horror outing, but I'm excited to see how these movies translate to maze form. Now, there's been a rumor circulating about a house that is all but confirmed by both Universal and pop music sensation The Weeknd. For those who follow the artist's work, most know that his music videos can be quite creepy and disturbing, from practical effects to visual nods to other horror films. No one can deny that they all have horror hallmarks. Now, back on April 3rd of this year, the artist posted something on his Twitter feed regarding two of his videos titled Too Late and In Your Eyes. They had been restricted over on the site which they were posted on, YouTube, but he notes that Horror Nights loved them and there's no mistaking that this is the Horror Nights that we Haunt fans know and love. And there's a high probability that Universal will be giving The Weeknd the stage, so to speak, to let him craft his own maze based upon his terrifying music videos. I mean, it's hard to deny at this point. There's only one Horror Nights, and it's Universal's. Musicians such as Rob Zombie, Alice Cooper, and Black Sabbath have had their own Halloween Horror Nights-based mazes and scare zones. Even Billie Eilish almost had her own house, which would have been insane. There were a lot of recycled props that ended up in the backlot trash. <laughs> Lastly, while still on the topic of Halloween Horror Nights and Universal, the Hollywood Backlot Tour at their L.A. park is set to unveil a new addition to the lineup, a replica of Jupiter's Claim from the latest Jordan Peele horror film, Nope. Jupiter's Claim is a fictional western theme park within the world of Nope, based around a child actor who plans to milk what little fame he has left. Within the park, strange occurrences happen on the regular and guests pay to watch. Recently, Universal invited content creators and loyal Universal fans to step foot onto the set before it opens up to the general public, and based on the reactions, it's looking like a worthy addition to the studio tour's array of sets. Whether it's included within Halloween Horror Nights' Terror Tram is yet to be seen, but I'm certain we'll find out soon enough. Now, on this episode, I'd like to try something new. You see... I've got some stories here, an archive of sorts, met some people around the internet and in real life who've got a tale or two to tell. 
If these do well enough, I might just make a separate podcast for them entirely. For now, though, I'd like to keep it here on my original show. Keeps the runtime nice and long, you know? Anyway, let me see what I've got here. Hmm, really need to organize this thing. Ah! Here's a good one to start with. Keep in mind, none of these are of my own. I like to give credit where credit is due. This one comes from Reddit user JoeDog93. He comes to us with a single warning. Don't go to the gas station. We've all been there. Late night quick trips to the local 7-Eleven having us craving some junky snack we probably shouldn't be eating at that late of an hour. But we do it anyway. Most times it's a quick in and out situation. But there's that one rare occasion where things just feel off. And for Joe Dog here, this is one of those times. My name is... well, let's not get bogged down by details. By the time you read this, I'll be locked away. I've killed my cheating bitch of a wife. Now I know what you're thinking. By the sound of my last statement, I must be some kind of deranged lunatic. Mommy was a whore and Daddy was a raging drunk who staggered home every night and beat us senseless. A dysfunctional family is surely the breeding ground of psychopathy. Sorry to disappoint, but it couldn't be farther from the truth. My folks weren't perfect, but I had a very happy childhood. My mother was a secretary, and my father worked himself to death in a cubicle for thirty-something years. I went to bed at 9 p.m. every night, nice and full of mom's delicious meal nurturing my body to help me grow into the man I am today. I was never really afraid of the dark like other kids. There were no monsters in my closet or under my bed. I guess that's because there was already a monster in my bed, fast asleep in his cowboy pajamas and clutching his teddy bear. I hope you're paying attention. You might learn something. The times make the man, not the other way around. By the time I was 17, I had already killed seven men. I was drafted into the service that year and spent the next few years of my life pumping in and out of foxholes. I saw two of my best friends die right beside me. There was an artillery barrage. We were all laying down with our heads in the dirt. The next thing I knew, everything was on fire and my friends were gone. Just one month shy of when we were all supposed to get home. My father always used to tell me, You see, son, a little bit of hard work and a lot of sacrifices pay off in the end. I sacrificed a lot for my country. Went partially deaf in one ear. Lost my spleen, shattered my pancreas. What did it get me? Night terrors, flashbacks, paranoia, and a job in my little podunk town at a gas station. Who would have thought shooting an insurgent half a mile away from me with a rifle during high wind wasn't an applicable work skill? Go figure. It wasn't all bad. At least I had my high school sweetheart. We married as soon as I got back home, never got a chance to do it before. It was great. For about six months. It's hard to say where exactly it all went wrong. One minute we were happily married and couldn't get enough of each other, and then the next we were vying for the front door. Our marriage counselor suggested taking a vacation together to try and restore the fire in our relationship, but I found myself praying for the plane to just crash and end it all. Sad, isn't it? 
I would have rather just been killed than go home. The signs of an affair had slowly started to come together, but I chose to ignore them because I didn't want to believe she would ever cheat on me. One day, I came home early from work, and she went out to the store and left her cell phone at home by mistake. It was very unlikely for her to do that. Usually, I would fight the urge to give in and snoop. I'm not sure how else to explain it, but to this day, I swear it was like there was a voice inside of me telling me to pick up the phone. Her password was her birthday. How original. I scrolled through the phone and opened her messages. Fifteen new ones. What a very popular lady. And they were all from a number that I didn't know. I felt like I'd been hit by a truck. Every emotion I had ever spilled over at once. Anger, sadness, hopelessness, confusion, embarrassment, betrayal, and rejection. From what I could read, the two of them talked for hours on end about how much they loved each other and couldn't stand to be apart. They even ridiculed me for how naive I was for not catching on. It took every ounce of restraint I had not to smash that fucking phone into pieces. What was I to do? She wasn't going to get away with this. I heard her keys rattling as she came in through the front door. I quickly placed the phone back where she left it and slapped down the TV. I didn't want her to want her to let in that I knew. Not just yet. Hey, honey, she said as she came in, toting a paper bag full of food for the week. How was work? It was fine, I answered as I was randomly surfing through channels. Boring as usual. Sometimes boring is a good thing, babe. Screw her, calling me babe like everything was fine and dandy. I began to wonder if she called the other guy babe or honey or any little pet names for him. She was skimming through the pockets of her blue jeans, looking for her cell phone. Oh, you left your phone on the table over there, I pointed out, eager to see her reaction. Her face hardened with apprehension as she hustled over to the table and picked up her phone. Oh, so that's where I left it. She tried to fake a smile as her voice quavered with angst. Your phone beeped a couple times. I think you have some messages. Everything okay? Yeah, it was nothing. Everything is great. What a lying bitch! We talked a little bit during dinner, but I can't even begin to recall what about. Her food tasted so disgusting, it was a meal built on deceit. My brain was telling me to bash her face in then and there, and I wanted to. I really did. That wasn't an option for me, though. I needed to know who the other guy was. There was no way he was getting a free pass. The next day at work, I was exhausted and emotionally eviscerated. I barely got any sleep that night. I tried to get back into her phone, but the password was changed. The bitch suspected something. At about 10.30pm, a customer I had never seen before came in. I distinctly remember the time, because he had somewhat startled me. This time of night was slow, and I always nodded off for a bit until my shift ended. He walked around for a little bit, grabbing miscellaneous items. I remember being annoyed because he was talking on the phone and wouldn't shut the hell up. I remember... It just took him five minutes to get everything he wanted. A few packs of bubblegum, some snacks, bullcrap like that. He was so engrossed in his conversation, he probably thought he was all alone. He set his hand over the phone and turned his attention towards me. Can I get a lifestyle skin, please? He whispered, batting his eyes with eagerness. This had 
to be the most uncomfortable thing ever. I hated when people would come up and ask me for condoms. What do you do on your own time is my is uh, your own business. I don't want to hear about it. At least this guy wasn't some punk teenager, though, trying to show off by asking for an extra-large size. While he was trying to retrieve his wallet, he put his phone on the counter and turned on the speaker. Hey, 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 listen, I'm sorry I'm late. I had to pick up some things. I couldn't have been more disinterested in watching this guy scream into his phone until I heard the voice on the other end. Well, hurry up. I only got a couple of hours, and I want to make the most of them. That voice. That was my wife on the phone. The conversation continued. Are you sure tonight is good? It couldn't be any more perfect. I've been thinking about this all week. Well, then prepare to have your mind blown. It's not my mind that I want to be blown. The passion and sensuality burning from her voice were enough to set the phone ablaze. What the hell? I couldn't remember the last time we even had sex, let alone teased the idea of it. So, this was him. This was my enemy, the man that made me lose sleep, those goddamn pale blue eyes, that conceited way he smiled, his slicked back hair. My face went from grim to beat red in an instant. They ended their phone call and he slid some money towards me. Sorry about that guy. Big plan tonight if you know what I mean. At that moment, something snapped inside of me. I always thought that was just a figure of speech saying that someone snapped. There really is something to it, though. All my time in the war, I knew I didn't come home the same as I was when I left. But in my time, in my service, it molded me into something else. I was a lean, mean, well-oiled machine. But now some screws had come loose, and it was time. Time to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and that cheating fuck just bought the last of the bubblegum. Before I could even comprehend... What was happening? I had him over the counter. He squirmed and fidgeted like a helpless little fucking baby. This was quite a new feeling for me, so much different from shooting a person some distance away. In the army, I never really got a good look at the people I killed. You just squeezed a trigger and down went the target. This was exhilarating. I have never felt so in control of another human being. This man was literally about to be erased from existence by my bare hands. As he faded into eternal sleep, the monster inside of me was awakened, and he came out to play. Amidst the chaos, the gun we kept under the counter emerged from its hiding spot. In a last attempt to get him off me, or get me off of him, the guy reached for it. I didn't initially plan on shooting him, but since the wonderful idea presented itself, I just couldn't resist. The gun went off twice. Where there was once a face of a man, now lay a disturbing brew of blood and brains. I sat there for a minute, trying to catch my breath, stewing in the mishmash. The calmer I got, I began to double-think my actions, but there was no turning back now. I locked up the gas station and tried to come up with my next move. Nobody saw him come in, and no one needed to see him on the security cameras either. I hurried to the back room. The surveillance setup was by no means state-of-the-art, and it still recorded onto the old VHS tapes we had. The only negative thing about those is, sometimes the tape gets eaten. I could make the footage of the whole day disappear if it would... and it would just come off as nothing more than a sad coincidence. With the video proof of what, I happened, what had happened taken care of, there was only the matter of disposing of the body in the car that he arrived in. Something clicked in my mind. The old logging road. 
In high school, a lot of the kids would go out there and fool around. That would be a perfect spot to dump the evidence, maybe just go a little bit further into the woods. I hid out in the gas station for a couple more hours until I was sure no one would be around. Finally, it was about an hour or so later when I decided that if I was going to move, it had to be now. My wife would eventually be home from her extracurricular activity and start to wonder where I was. I packed up the body in the trunk of the car he arrived in and headed out. I debated on getting rid of the gun too, but decided to leave it behind. It was right there where it was like nothing had happened, nothing was out of place. Jeez, this, guy, this guy's old car has seen better days. A 92 Taurus. This was the most uncomfortable ride I had ever taken, stomach-churning anxiety excluded. At least a black box was out of the question. When I was sure I'd gotten deep enough into the woods, I wiped the car down and tossed the keys as far away as I could. This guy's final resting place was the trunk, and that was the way it was going to stay. Now began the journey home. I didn't think this part through too well. I arrived home back around 45 minutes later after the incident. My wife ambushed me with questions as soon as I made it through the door. It was like she just wanted to start a fight. She sat there alone in the dark for God knows how long, waiting for me to come home. Where the hell have you been? She howled at me, clearly holding back tears. She missed someone all right, but despite the words coming out of her mouth, it clearly wasn't me. I rubbed my eyes and headed into the kitchen for a beer. My car broke down at work, I assured her. I'm sorry I'm late. You could have called me, you know. I would have come and gotten you. The conversation went back and forth for a couple minutes. My cell phone died. I didn't even have to think about that one. Whatever question she would just come up with, I seemed to be able to talk my way out of it. It didn't even feel like me. It felt like someone was guiding my hand, pulling my strings, and providing the script for me. I just delivered the lines and threw an ad-lib or two and now and then. And what about the gas station? Why couldn't you just use their phone? She had to go there. Oh, son of a bitch! Enough with the questions! A damn rat, a raccoon, or an animal of something chewed up the phone line. I kept warning everyone when we first found those droppings, but no one listened to me. As I took a moment to catch my breath, she wiped some tears away from her face and continued. I don't know what your problem is lately. I'm concerned about where you were, and you bite my hat off for it? Oh yeah? Now I had some questions of my own. This was going to be interesting. Where exactly were you tonight? I was nowhere. What are you going on about? Her vulnerability slowly disappeared, and the walls I had become accustomed to were slowly going back up around her again. Then, where's dinner? Checkmate. I threw my hands into the air and motioned towards the obviously empty kitchen. You mean that you were sitting here all night by your lonesome worrying about me and you never even ate anything? Who did, think she, who did she think she was fooling? She was a habitual nervous eater and had been known to practically inhale a chicken from across the room. If she was so nervous about me, it wouldn't have knocked the edge off her appetite. I got tired of waiting and went ahead without you. Yours is in the fridge, she said. I walked over to the fridge and opened it. Hmm, that's funny. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you didn't pick up anything, and you worked at a grocery store. I shut the door and walked back over to her and got right into her face. 
If I were you, I wouldn't quit your day job, hon. You make a much better whore than a housewife. She slapped me across the face. My neck felt like it was going to twist off. Fuck off. Make a goddamn sandwich or something for all I care. Little did she know that I realized what was really going on. She was upset her lover boy bailed on her. Throughout the next few nights, it took every ounce of restraint I had not to kill her in her sleep. It would have been so easy to smother her with a pillow or take a kitchen knife and plunge it into her chest. But the more I thought about it, I liked this idea better. Why give her the easy way out? The only... The one she truly loved was rotting away as if he never existed. Should I send her to join him? Nah. She was going to stay right here with me and wallow in her misery whether she liked it or not. Two weeks went by and we hardly said a word to each other. I had relocated to the couch. By her choice. Not mine. If sleeping next to her at night gave her that much displeasure, then I was going to enjoy every minute of it that I possibly could. I wanted to make her miserable for what she did to me. We began to fight over every little thing. A comment over just about anything could set either of us off. That brings us to today. I was working the night shift. It was the dead hour as usual. So I was taking my much-deserved siesta. Not everyone was built to sleep on a couch so my naps were becoming more frequent. Suddenly, I was rattled awake. Hello there. Hey, buddy, are you okay? I just want to check out real quick. I sprang back to life. I banged a few keys on the register as if I was never sleeping. Oh, yeah, hey there. Sorry about that. What can I do for... I couldn't believe who I was looking at. My heart could have come crashing through my chest. Looking me dead in the eyes was my wife's lover. What the hell? I started to go into hysterics. Hey, hold on there, guy. He put his hand over my shoulder. Take it easy. I'm sorry. I'm scared you. I just wanted to buy a couple things. How could this be happening? I blew his face clean off and left him in the woods. Here he was before me, though, without a scratch on him. I thought maybe it was a dream or a hallucination, but then I never started to wake up. This was all too real. His phone began to ring. He put it on speaker just like last time. Hello? Where the hell have you been? What's taking you so long? To much to my surprise, though, I'm sure if you're reading this, you may have caught on by now. That was indeed my wife's voice on the other end of the phone. Again. Sorry, I'm going as fast as I can, he said. We don't have much time. I have to see you now. You're over at the Valley Motel, right? Yeah, that's where we were supposed to meet last time. Alright, I'm just stopping for some gas and I'll be right... Listen to me, don't go to the gas station. I want you to just come straight here. He seemed awfully confused. But, uh, but... Just do it. I'm afraid to be anywhere alone. I think he knows something. Alright, fine. He hung up his phone and quickly paid for his items. He almost bought all the same things he got that night. Almost. No condoms this time, man? Huh? He glanced at me. Sounds like you got a big night ahead of you with your lady friend, I explained. He didn't seem too pleased by that. Just... Just mind your business and go back to bed, guy. I gotta go. My wife was my business. If I'm putting him in the ground, didn't... 
If putting him in the ground didn't stop this torrid love affair, I guess I was going to have to put her in the ground after all. I knew where they were going to be. Time to catch them in the act. I borrowed the gun from under the counter one last time, knowing full well this was going to be the last time I needed it. I made my way to the Valley Motel faster than the other guy did. I would have thought he would have known his way there better by now from his previous rendezvous with my wife. Sitting in my car, I loaded the gun and watched from far as I surveyed what room he entered. I clutched the gun in my hand. The cold, hard steel matched my heart. That was now beating for one reason only. Justice. I went over to the door and fired the gun. Two shots rang out into the night. With the heel of my right boot, the door to the room came crashing down. The surprise alone should have given them both heart attacks. What the fuck? The guy shouted. When I entered the room, he and my wife were sitting on the bed. I got in there before they could even get started. What the hell are you doing here? My wife shouted at me. You're crazy, you know that? Her lover took a good look at me. You, you're the guy from the... My wife began to scream over him. I told you just to come straight here. Now look what you did. He's found us. Who is this lunatic anyway? He asked. All this time together and she didn't even talk about me or anything. I figured now was as good of a time as any to get acquainted. Well, buddy, that lovely lady right there would be my wife. And I'm the loving husband that you just fucked over. Whoa, whoa, listen here, buddy. I think there's been some sort of misunderstanding. He started to reach into his pocket. I wasn't taking any chances. The gun roared to life once more. Blood sprang out from his chest as he started violently choking. I looked down to see him clutching his cell phone in his hand. I guess he didn't have a weapon on him after all. Honey, please! My wife sobbed as she sprang off the bed. She gently embraced me, trying to get me to lower the gun. You're upset right now. I know what I did was wrong, okay? But please just put the gun down. You're confused right now, and I don't think you understand what's going on. The gun started trembling in my hand. I knew what I had to do. For, but for a moment, at that moment, I felt myself struggling to do it. Bang! The gun went off one final time. Goodbye, my sweet. Her body went limp, and she collapsed into my arms. It's funny how life works. I wanted nothing more than to see her suffer, and now that she was gone, I was going to miss her. I tossed the gun to the floor and gently laid her down on the bed. I turned to walk away, and I tripped over her lover's body. What a way to go. Shot for pulling out a cell phone. It looked enough like a gun. I could always plead self-defense. I began to wonder what exactly it was that he wanted me to see on the phone. I picked it up and turned on the screen. A series of text messages presented itself, wanting to be seen. Whoever was on the receiving end of these texts wasn't very talkative. I read them to myself. Hey bro, you there? Asshole, pick up the phone. Are you there, man? This isn't like you. Okay, I finally tracked her down. I know you're private, but I am coming out to meet that new chick you've been seeing. If you're not going to talk, maybe she will. I hope you're alright. Mom and Dad are going to kill you if this is some sort of stunt that you're pulling. Hopefully you guys found that one quite thrilling. 
I mean, I know I did. If you guys liked it, let me know over on Twitter and Instagram by searching the name of this podcast so I can keep this little series going. And now, let's take a brief moment to hear from the sponsor of our program, Anchor. We'll be right back. As mentioned earlier on in the program, I managed to catch a showing of Blumhouse's newest horror flick, The Black Phone. Before I go any further, I'd like to note that this review will be spoiler-heavy. So, you've been warned. This film adaptation of Joe Hill's short story of the same name stars Ethan Hawke and Mason Thames as The Grabber and Finney, respectively. Set in the 1970s, young Finney Shaw finds himself in the heavily secure and soundproofed basement of local child kidnapper, The Grabber, a masked killer who likes to play sadistic games with his victims. In this room resides a disconnected rotary phone that somehow still receives calls. These aren't regular calls, though. Finney has the ability to speak with the Grabber's past victims, and they give him as much advice as they can to help him escape and avoid the awful things that happen to them before it's too late. Now, having not read the original short story myself, I can't say for certain if this was an entirely faithful adaptation of the original source material. What I can say, however, is this film is a solid one. Derrickson knows how to craft a suspenseful film that keeps you on the edge of your seat for the whole hour and 42 minutes. Well, not entirely. The film starts with a nice stinger about one of the victims that really gives you a good idea of the film's tone. Afterwards, we're treated to a day in the life of Finney, his sister Gwen, and their abusive, drunk father. I can't say for certain if the father redeems himself. I mean, he drunkenly beats his daughter with a belt over the fact that she believes her dreams are a form of clairvoyance, like her mother's. But he decides to help Gwen with her mini-investigation anyway. I'm not saying what the father did was right, but you can see that he genuinely cares for his kids. Well, cares in some form or another. What happened with their now-deceased mother really messed him up. This doesn't give him the right to abuse his children, not at all, but he somewhat sees the error of his ways after Gwen has some helpful visions as to where her missing brother is. At the end of the film, you can see the father blames himself for what happened to Finney through his physical actions, but whether he decides to fix himself after the fact is completely unknown. Left up to interpretation, I suppose. I'd like to say that the father sobers up and becomes more available for his children, but you never know. Some people just never change. This relationship between Finney and his father plays into the depressing tone of the film, but you're not paying 13 bucks for a ticket just to watch a drunk dad beat his kids. You're here for the grabber. I'll be honest, I haven't seen a lot of Ethan Hawke's work. The only other thing I've seen him in is Moon Knight, the Marvel series. And as the series' villain, he did a pretty good job with that. I was a big fan of that show. Now, Hawk as the Grabber is a different story entirely. Hawk plays a very twisted, very sick man. A disgraced party magician named Albert Shaw turns to a life of crime by kidnapping local children and keeping them in the basement of his home. He plays a little game with them, one he likes to call Naughty Boy. You can already tell that there's some messed up shit gonna go on here. The Grabber leaves the door to the basement unlocked sometimes. Purposefully, unfortunately. If the victim takes note of this and attempts to escape, the grabber is at the top of the stairs, sitting in a folding chair with a leather belt in hand, ready to beat the child. 
shirtless for some reason, but terrifying nonetheless. And how could I forget the mask? Designed by horror legend Tom Savini, this mask has the ability to switch out the mouthpiece for different expressions. Happy, sad, and, well, a blank expression, I suppose, where there's no mouth at all. These correspond with what the grabber is feeling at the time and lets his victim know whether they're on good terms with him or if they're in deep shit. The mask takes an appearance of a devil, and it does a great job making you feel uneasy whenever it's on screen. Hawk does an amazing job with expressing himself with only his eyes, which is a hard thing to do in terms of acting. The main thing that ties this whole film together is the pacing of events. The way the suspense just gradually grows and grows until you're unable to bear it any longer. Throughout the entirety of his captivity, you're hoping, praying, that Finney's next call from a prior victim is the one that gives him the tools he needs to escape. From loose tiles and wire to packing an old phone full of dirt and training to beat someone senseless with it, your teeth are clenched, and you've unknowingly balled up your fist in anticipation. Let me address something here really quickly to add on to my point. I'm not the biggest fan of jump scares. It's not that they're bad. I love the rush of adrenaline it gives me. It's how they're used that bothers me the most. For most horror pictures, it's a cheap tactic used to get you all shaken up. Like opening and closing of a fridge and someone being behind it. Or a double take from the character as they walk down a dark alley and see a shadowy figure that wasn't there before. It's pretty annoying, to be completely honest. The Black Phone, however, uses them sparingly, and Derrickson knows exactly when to do them. They're crafted with precision, and they work. They work very well. However, my favorite scene throughout the whole film is the last conversation Finney has with the prior victim which happens to be his Hispanic best friend that defended him from the school bullies earlier on in the film. There's a genuine bond that's built between the two of them, and all it took was one bathroom scene and you could tell these two were close. The motivation gives Finney to gather enough courage to fight his captor was both inspiring and heartbreaking. Finney's friend didn't deserve what happened to him, and you're rooting for Finney to kick the grabber's ass in honor of him and the others that fell victim to the grabber's actions. Overall, Scott Derrickson directed a really solid horror flick that, excuse me, a solid horror flick that has both a lot of heart and horror. On a scale of 1 to 10, this film gets a 9.5 in my opinion. Definitely a certified classic that you should definitely check out while it's still in theaters and when it releases on Blu-ray and home video momentarily. And that, boils and ghouls, is going to do it for today's episode. I hope you all had a good time listening, as I had a good time making this episode. Next episode, I plan to read another horror story from my archive and dive into some cool stuff in the horror community. Maybe review another film, perhaps? Maybe get a guest on here? We'll see when it comes time to make another episode which will probably start as soon as I finish recording this. <laughs> Be sure to share this podcast with your horror-loving friends, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching the show's name. It won't be too hard, I promise. Maybe send me some suggestions as to what I should talk about through DMs. I always love hearing from you guys. Interaction with the community is my favorite part about this whole podcasting thing. And now, let us retire to our caskets. 
let us rest our weary bones and slumber. Until next time, I'm Dominic Abraham, and you've been listening to Spoopy, a horror podcast. See you soon.